It's a pleasure to be with you, worshiping our God. And once again, Pastor Dan, thank you so much for the privilege to share the word of God in the pulpit that the Lord trusted you. It's such an honor. And we rejoice in the Lord, in His presence. Any family that conducts their lives with a minimum of order needs to have rules. I believe that your family, like any other, uh, realized mainly when you got children that you need to strengthen the rules. If you are already married and your children are just running around the, around the house, you sometimes could see that one of your child had a certain pleasure to denounce his siblings and waiting with anticipation for the punishment. I had this experience, experience a bunch of times in my house. And as parents, it's hard to identify sometimes who made a mistake. And as I didn't know, it was necessary punish both of them. And as in one moment, one was paying for his double hero of made a mistake and lie against uh, his sibling, the other was crying with revolt in his heart or her heart because she or he didn't do anything to deserve that. I'm quite sure, mainly my two younger or youngest children, Azath and Nicole, they went through this experience. So today we will return our attention to the beginning of our Savior's ministry and realize his identification with sinners and his willingness to take the blame of those who should receive eternal punishment for their sins. So let's read together Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to 17. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the privilege 
to have new life through Jesus Christ and rejoice your presence, rejoicing with your people in the Lord, in the day that you rose from the death. In this moment, speak with us and give us the grace to learn the path of obedience and fullness of the Holy Spirit that your Son had in this life and guide us in the same way we pray with confidence in the name of Jesus. Amen. Beloved Church, last Sunday we were together just observing the way the Lord provided to inaugurate the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And He called a man with a very simple life and background named John the Baptist. He was the greatest man who ever lived until his time. And now we are in the moment where our Lord is inaugurating his ministry. And in this moment, we can find the pattern of Christ in his perfect obedience to the Lord. First of all, in his identification with sinners, if you look again to the verse 13, Matthew shares with us, saying, Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? So, we said that John's baptism was a symbol of repentance and cleansing practice that Jews applied to the proselytes. So no Jew could join this experience to be baptized. But when several people were just going to John the Baptist, listening his word and submitting themselves to that baptism, they were recognizing their condition of sin before God and before other men. In that moment, probably John were with many people baptizing and the Lord Jesus appeared. Probably alone, the disciples were not called yet. So he came from Galilee and when he appeared dead, John recognizes him immediately. We know they were cousins. But we have no information about how close they were. We know that Elizabeth and Mary spent three months before the kids or the babies born. Probably talking about their ministries and what the Lord told them. But after that we have no information. We don't know. John went to live in the desert in a young age. But... By relationship or through the Holy Spirit, he recognized Jesus. Jesus came to John specifically to be baptized. In the original Greek, baptistenai. It's a passive infinitive past tense that reveals purpose. He was there for to be submitted to the baptism. And the Apostle John tells us more about this encounter. In John chapter 1 verse 29, 
The Bible says, the next day, John saw Jesus approaching and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knew that Jesus was the anointed Messiah. He came to fulfill God's redemptive plan. That's why John the Baptist's first reaction was, No, I need to be baptized by you. This is not right. John resisted baptizing Jesus for exactly the opposite reason that he refused to baptize the Pharisees and Sadducees. When he saw the Pharisees and Sadducees trying to be baptized with lack of real repentance, he called them race of vipers, bare fruits that show that you, you had tasted the real repentance. But not with Jesus. He knew that he was the perfect God and perfect man. He had no sin. He was a sinless man. How he, who was preparing the path for the great Messiah, could baptize him with a baptism that symbolized repentance. And John's reluctance to baptize Jesus. He was fulfilling his role as a hero who prepares the way of the Lord by his witness that Jesus was a sinless. As we find in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. But one who in every respect has been tempted, as we are yet without sin. Jesus underwent John's baptism to fulfill God's purpose of identifying himself with a mankind. Hundreds of years before Jesus came, Isaiah declared... Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge he shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquity. In order of fulfill all the righteousness of God, the Messiah became sin in our place. For what the law was unable to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His Son. And through His blood, He applied justice and righteousness upon the life of everyone who believes in Him. So when Jesus came to join the baptism of John the Baptist, He was just displaying for those proudful people. He was taking our place. He was identifying himself with the sinners God would save. Even without fully understanding, John submitted and baptized Jesus. Our Savior's baptism pointed to his main role in life, what was and still is, save men from their sins. 
This is very different of what the prosperity gospel shared and taught in the 80s, 90s, and still try to do today. Saying that Jesus came to give us a good life without problems, without sufferings and struggle in this earth. This is not true. Jesus came to bring forgiveness. Jesus came to give a man the ability and possibility to appear before the holy God through his blood. Because the righteousness of Christ was applied in our behalf. We can worship God. And as well, we gradually remove the power of sin over us while we are still on this side of life. We need to know and believe that we have this new reality. Knowing that as sinners rescued from the slavery of sin, we have a new, a new identity. As Paul declared about himself, for through the law, I died to the law. So that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We know, unfortunately, sin is still part of our, our lives. We are tempted and we sin. But sin can no longer identify who we are. Therefore, do not establish, brothers, your identity with some sins that still tempt you by declaring, Oh, I am a jealous person. Or maybe... I am temperate, uh, I am a spiteful person. No. We are crucified with Christ. And we have a new identity in Him. So in His perfect obedience, He identified Himself with you. And now, the life of Christ is, dis is displayed through His church. Even though... We struggle with sin. Do not accept sin. Determine who you are. You are a new creature in Jesus Christ. And he shows us his perfect obedience also through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This will show how we can live this new life and this new identity. Observe again the verse 16. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. So, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he came out of the water. Our Baptist brothers, pastor would say that this is a point that shows that he was totally submerged on the water. 
we won't deal with this now. It's not important. The fact was, regardless of that detail, the moment he came out of the water, the sky opened up. Imagine it. What a powerful experience. Not just before Jesus. All men who, who were there could witness this moment. Some men had the experience of seeing heaven open before their eyes. Such as Ezekiel, Stephen, John, and Paul. Certainly, they tasted a level of intimacy with God that transcends the usual relationship of human beings with their creator. But when the heavens opened, he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. The sign of confirmation was a dove. Why? It was the only time the Holy Spirit was represented in this way. And some scholars try to figure out why this. In the Jewish mind of those days, the dove was associated with sacrifice. Calves were sacrificed by rich and lambs by the middle class. But most people could only sacrifice a dove. So the Holy Spirit came Probably showing that the one who was being anointed as man was just ready to fulfill God's plan to save the poor, the broken heart, to reach people through his perfect sacrifice. And why did the Holy Spirit come on Jesus when he became man? He did not lose his divinity. Not at all. In his divinity, he lost nothing. But in his humanity, he was being anointed to fulfill his mission. As Isaiah foretold and we read it this morning. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the broken heart, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Jesus worked wonders by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know all the miracles, all the signs, everything that he performed during three years and a half of ministry in this earth. But he was also a man. He faced thirst, hunger, sleep. And therefore he needed to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. The fact that here an anointing of the Holy Spirit is granted to him. In no way constitutes a conflict with his con conception by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, the Lord was preparing him. Jesus, in his full humanity, modeled for all of us how it, how it would be possible to live a life that glorifies God. 
He would not be isolating himself in a monastery like the reformer Martin Luther when he used to struggle with bad thoughts. No, he was living among people with a sinless life because as a man, he was strengthened by the Holy Spirit. The Christian life can be only believed in a way that pleases God under the power of the Holy Spirit. As we see in Romans chapter 8, verse 8 and 9. Therefore, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. It is the Holy Spirit, beloved church. It is the Holy Spirit that already dwells in us. That enables us to overcome sin. Day after day. Guiding us in the path of sanctification. In the process that the Lord already started in our lives when we taste the new birth. So, we need to seek His presence. The Lord Jesus, as a perfect man, He spent time in His ministry every single day praying alone. While many people were after Him seeking for something, and I know there are many people after you seeking for something related with your time and skills. But Jesus always left them and went to a desert, to a quiet place, seeking God's presence, seeking more from the Spirit, meditating in the truth. We need to do the same. We have a new identity. And we have the Holy Spirit living with us, in us. But we need to spend time in the Lord's presence. I remember the second time that I went to Rwanda, Africa in 2013 with a group from our church in Japan. We had a team of 10 people and we traveled there. And we were in a small town. Uh, named Kayonza. And we were welcomed by a local missionary and a group of deacons. And they were excited and prepared the lunch. Goat's barbecue. Have you ever tasted? It's good. And those deacons woke up very early, killed the goat, cleaned it, baked it, and we ate in the festive day, but we were exhausted and jet-lagged with the seven hours of time zone. And I, when I could not bear anymore, I told them, well, we need to go to the hotel. And we took our van, and the group of deacons went with us. And they were going to the village, where in the next day we should have uh, an evangelistic conference. And I just asked them, uh, are you going to sleep in the village? And one of the deacons told, told me, sleeping, pastor? Tomorrow is an extremely important day. We cannot sleep. 
We're going to spend the night in the Lord's presence, claiming for more of His Spirit upon your life and Pastor Joseph, Joseph's life. We want to see salvation and transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I need to confess, brothers, I felt so small and the worst sinner before those simple deacons who served us all day long and were not sleep. They were willing for more of the Holy Spirit. So we should do the same. How is your devotional life? In those busy days with a crazy agenda and schedule that sometimes we forget uh, some appointments. When are we taking the necessary time to be in the, the Lord's presence to receive more from the Holy Spirit? Jesus gave us this example of uh, Perfect obedience and the fullness of the Spirit. And finally, he was an example in the joy given to the Father. Observe verse 17 with me. Once again. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. A sacrifice to be accepted by God should be pure without stain and without guilt. Jesus identified himself with sinners, was baptized by the Spirit in the form of a sacrificial dove, pointing to his perfect sacrifice in our favor. And what was the Father's answer? Behold, this is my Beloved Son. The declaration from the Father calling Jesus Beloved Son Agapetos denotes a deep and rich relationship. The scholar Hendrickson states, quote, There is no love more sublime than that which the Father feels for His Son. In agreement with the verbal adjective Agapetos, Beloved, Used here, this love is as deep-rooted, as broad, as immeasurable as the heart of God Himself. It is also as intelligent and as purposeful as the mind of God Himself. He is full of tenderness, vastness, and infinity. So when the Lord Father, God Father, was reaffirming, reaffirming His unconditional love to the Son, displayed in the eternity, He was also affirming His love, unconditional love for the Son as man. After identifying Himself with sinners and assume, assume their guilt, the Father was saying, I still love you unconditionally. I love you eternally, in the eternal relationship the Trinity has. But I love you in the dynamic of your obedience as a man. And the amazing news 
is this unconditional love is displayed upon our lives as church. Through Jesus Christ, the Lord Father does not look for us with our sins and guilt anymore. Because the perfect obedience of Christ was put in our account. So when the Lord Father looks to you, He loves you unconditionally, not through your own obedience, but through the obedience of Christ. This is why Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 1, verse 7 and say, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, it would be that beloved child that he would deliver in sacrifice for his chosen ones. And he provided the delight of the Father in our favor. As Paul states, Romans 3, 26, It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of those one who has faith in Jesus. Do you have faith in Jesus? With all your heart, mind and soul. So you were justified by his blood shed on the cross. Rejoice in the Lord's presence because the Father rejoices with our worship in His presence this morning. As much as we claim to love our children unconditionally, we have to agree that a life of disobedience can hurt the relationship. Often bringing a relationship break. In the opposite side, when our children make honorable choices or honorable choice in their lives, their obedience uh, to what we teach leads us to take an increasing pleasure in them. As Reformed Christians, we do not believe in salvation through works or good deeds. There is nothing that you can do that will lead you for salvation. As we said, is through Christ, through His sacrifice. But, as we became children of God, we look to Jesus, our Master, and we find in Him a life of perfect obedience. Full of the Spirit, just given pleasure to the Father. And we find the pattern for all of us who receive a new heart through Christ. We should get a new identity that we receive. And every single day, claim more for His from the Spirit in our lives. And then we will please the Father. In the beginning of my sermon, I mentioned that many of us, a bunch of time, times, punished our children in the wrong way because we are not sure who is the cuter, but not God the Father. He knows all of our sins, 
But he also knows that our Savior assumed the guilt and that we were forgiven through Christ. And now, through this wonderful blessing, we should seek more from the Lord, from His Spirit, to live a life of obedience as Jesus lived in this earth. Let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your love, grace, and mercy. We praise you for our Savior, who came as a perfect man, and he who was filled by your Spirit, and gave us the greatest example, and gave us, and showed us the way of how to live as Christians. We understand, Lord, we are not saved by our good works. It's just through faith, by grace, faith in Jesus. But we also know that new creatures, we should live a life that pleases you. So, Lord, in your presence, as your church, we ask you, Lord, give us the grace to become the husbands that you are willing the wives that please you. Give us the grace to raise our children in the way that people will know that we are your disciples. To live in this world as light. We pray with confidence in the name of Jesus.